we've listened to a lot of athletic coaches over the years, and we've heard how young people can learn lessons in football that will help them throughout life. There is a lot of football season yet to come, and so our question today is, what lessons can we learn from football that will help us in prepping? After doing some research, there seems to be a lot of similarities, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Prepping lessons we can learn from football. Welcome to Practical Prepping. Today is November 24th, 2023, and this is episode 433. This is the prepping podcast with no bunkers, no zombies, no alien invasions, just practical prepping, where we believe that stuff can happen, so we need to stay prepared. And we're here to help you get prepared. Hi there, I'm Krista. And I'm Mark. And today we'll be talking about prepping lessons we can learn from football. Really all sports, but especially team sports. Now, if you'd like the expanded notes for this episode, go to practicalprepping.info forward slash 433. And don't forget, we're going to have a super listener off-grid tip at the end of today's episode. Now, what are some prepping lessons that we can learn from football? Well, the first thing that I came up with was that we need to have goals and strategies. Okay. So I guess the lesson of a goal setting or strategizing would be a crucial lesson for something like a football team. It definitely is. They go in setting clear objectives. They develop a game plan, and that helps them to navigate their challenges for the football game. And us having that goal and that game plan helps us to navigate challenges and work toward success in various endeavors. Oh, okay. Now, the the coach's game plan determines the strategy. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be a running game primarily? Is it going to be a passing game? Oftentimes, they come in with the first set of downs already scripted. They've already made a threat assessment. They've made a threat (laughs) assessment, and we're actually going to look at some of that. Yeah. But through this, they come to understand the concept of teamwork. Oh, certainly so. I mean, there there is no I in team, and the whole team is out there winning or losing, fighting the battle. So they have to collaborate. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to get together and work together. They have to cooperate one with another. And they've got to have common goals. Now, on a football team, there's different positions and there's different skills. Oh, you can definitely see that. Definitely. You got that wiry little quarterback, and then you got that mm refrigerator-sized defensive end and whoo. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's different skills and everybody has a job to do and everybody has to do that job. Right. And they're relying on each other's strengths and abilities. And that can be so important, like in a crisis situation. Exactly. Exactly. We had one uh, recently, a family gathering And there was a lady that fell in the restaurant where we were. Mm -hmm. Several of us jumped up to go help. I mean, I'm a former medic. We have a niece that is a nurse. Mm -hmm. Her mother is a nurse. Mm -hmm. Her husband is a police officer. And we just all jumped in and 
well, did what we've always done. First responders do what first responders e- exactly. do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were we were just a couple of tables away. Right, but you met you you saw the challenge, and and somebody had to go help, and and you did indeed end up helping her a great yeah, deal. And, and you just rely on each other's strengths and abilities, and it works in every aspect of life. But to have that collaboration. You also have to have effective communication. You know, that's right. You know, if you watch the football team, if you're watching the game, you've got all of those sideline coaches and those offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. They've got their notebooks. They've got that arm wrist clipboard. They've got the signs, the codes, the numbers. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got it all mapped out. That they do. And they do communicate so that everyone's on the same page. When they run a play, everybody has to know what that play is going to be. Mm-hmm. One person can't think, well, we need to run this play, and another one thinks, well, I need to run this play. Same thing like on passing with the routes that the receivers will run. There has to be communications. And as preppers, Krista and I have a common goal, and we communicate that goal. And we have to communicate the responsibilities and the strategies that each other will handle in our prepping endeavors. And we have to be very fluid and flexible. Oh, yes. You can't be concrete stone. These fle- you know, these plans that you're making, some things are unchangeable and then other things must be quite flexible. It'll just depend on what crisis you're facing. Exactly. But it does depend on that communication. Absolutely. Now, another thing that we learn from football that applies to pretty much every area of life is being dedicated and disciplined. Oh, my goodness, yes. Now, those players go through a rigorous training routine. They stay committed to their roles, and they constantly strive to improve. I remember Jerry Rice hiring a backup quarterback to throw him passes for probably another 45 minutes after practice had ended. No kidding. He would pay one of them to throw him passes because he wanted to become more proficient, even though he was one of the best ever pass receivers. And it was because of his dedication and his discipline. Mm. And he would be out there running stadium stairs long after the rest of the team had gone in. That's dedicated. Now, that mindset can be applied to personal growth, to professional development, to pretty much everything in our life. It's a great approach. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You also have to have perseverance and resilience. You know, that is never more true than when you're watching, especially nowadays when these college teams are in the semifinals and getting ready for the championship. I mean, the the pressure has always been tough, but now it has been ramped up. So they've got to persevere. They've got to maintain their training and their roles. They've got to maintain their strength. They've got to maintain their health. They also have to be resilient and have to understand that not every play is going to be encountered successfully. Exactly. You know, on every football game, there is a a winner and a loser. Yes, and football teaches us that resilience. These players, uh, the football game is very physical and it can be mentally demanding, and it requires these players to push through that fatigue and to push through those setbacks. And I like some of the colleges, uh, particularly I'm thinking of the University of Alabama, uh, they have a 24-hour rule. After a ball game, 
they can celebrate for 24 hours or they can feel sorry for themselves for 24 hours, depending on what the outcome of that game was. Okay. But after that 24 hours, they get up and they focus on the next game. That game's behind them. Oh, that's actually a pretty good way to handle it mentally as well. You got to think about the mental resilience they have to have. And it's not always smooth sailings and those setbacks are bound to happen. Remember recently the kicker? In one particular game, here was a flawless kicker, but in one game he missed two, you know, back to back. Mm -hmm. It was unexpected, and you know that kid took it hard. Oh, absolutely. But sometimes they get injured. Yeah. But when they get injured, they have a plan. You'll see that player that's injured come off of the field, and they'll take them into that sideline medical tent. Right. Now they have doctors on the sideline. They have trainers. They have x-ray equipment in the locker room. Right. And they have a plan and they work their plan. Well, how about us? What's our plan if we are injured in an SHTF situation? Good question. Can we go to the emergency room? Mm. Is there a quick care clinic? Are we miles and miles away from it? Are we in a foreign country? Are we in the middle of nowhere and there is no medical care? That's where Contingency Medical may be your best friend. Contingency Medical does provide some antibiotics, and they even provide other symptom relief medications to preppers. I was looking in our pack the other day, and I was just looking through all of the contents. Do you know there's even an antibiotic specifically for treating a UTI, one of the most pervasive and difficult infections that can affect men and women? It's horrible if you have one. How would you like to deal with that? without the proper medication. Listen, there's so much we could tell you about contingency medical, but we have to tell you this. We received an email yesterday, and they are having a Black Friday sale through the end of November. That's fantastic. They are offering $40 off of any pack. So go to contingencymedical.com slash practical, or you can use the link on our website. It takes you to the same place. But be sure that you enter the promo code PRACTICALBFCM. Now, that stands for Black Friday Contingency Medical. BFCM. And we'll, okay. we've put it right there on the website so you can't miss it. And that's for $40 off your pack now through November the 30th. That's fantastic. Like all Black Friday sales, it's for a limited time, so press pause on the podcast, and I've never told you to do this, Mm -hmm. but press pause on the the podcast and go order your kit now so you don't forget about it, then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. We do want to tell you that Contingency Medical and its products are not intended as a substitute for your professional medical treatment or advice. You'll need to consult with your health care provider, but don't forget the Black Friday promo code. And that Black Friday sale goes from now until the end of the month. And that promo code is practical BFCM. And we'll have all of those details on our website for you. Listen, this is a great time to stock up on your antibiotics that may be harder and harder to get mm-hmm. as time goes by. I'm very impressed with our pack, and I am looking forward to ordering more from them. Now, that's planning for perseverance and resilience, having that plan and having the things necessary to protect ourselves and our families. We've been off places, and I know one time you wound up with a severe tooth infection. 
And it was on a weekend, and we had to find some place to be able to get you medications right. to get you back home. Sure enough. Uh, we travel with this pack now, and so it's great to have, and we can use it if we need to. Now, our next prepping lesson that we can learn from football is being adaptable. Oh, yes. Remember our last episode, 432? That was the adaptability skill set episode. So we're not going to go into a large amount of detail here, but in relation to football teams, they often face unexpected or changing situations. I mean, all you have to do is watch any of these games Mm -hmm. and you can think what you expect to happen and then something else happens. There's injuries. There can be changes in the weather. There can be changes in the opponent's strategy. I mean, these teams are clever. Yes. You know, they're out there to win the game. And I always wonder how a passing team is prepared for they get there and it's just a monsoon. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, you know, exactly. passing and rain don't work well they, together. Maybe they didn't adapt as well as they could have. That's true, but they do adapt. Similarly, in prepping and in life, we need to be adaptable and able to adjust our plans and our approaches. We have to respond to those changing situations, whether it's football, prepping, or in life. Also, football teams practice really good time management. Now, remember, in football, it is a game. It's a finite set of time. There's a 60-minute playing time. And, of course, obviously, there's a lot of stops between plays and timeouts and halftime. So that 60-minute game can stretch over four hours sometimes. But when it's all over, I don't care how many overtimes they run or what have you, the highest score is going to win the game. And they've got 60 minutes of playing time to do that. Mm -hmm. And each minute, even each second counts. Mm -hmm. And it's called clock management. And there's that 25 second clock where you have 25 seconds to get the play off. And if you go 26, then there's a delay a game penalty. Right. And running time off the clock is one of the management things if you're ahead and you're in the latter portion of the game, the last few minutes, you're trying to run time off the clock and get the clock to run out with you being ahead. Absolutely. If you're behind, you're trying to save time and trying to make it to a last minute score. Uh, We watched a ball game a couple of weeks ago that the outcome of the ball game was determined in like the last five seconds. and seriously was. They kicked a field goal, and by the time it went through the uprights, the clock was at zero. And they they won by one point. One point, and they did that by adequately managing the time. Hmm. Now, in our daily lives, time is limited as well. Oh, absolutely. We have 24 hours in a day. That's 1,440 minutes and 86,400 seconds. And some of that you're sleeping, right? Well, (laughs) yes. I mean, it sounds like a lot of time, but let's just figure, and I went through and looked at some things, if we sleep seven hours, that's 25,200 seconds that we've used, almost a third of our time. Wow. If we work eight hours, we've spent 480 minutes, and that's a third of our time. Right. Right. So getting ready and traveling to work, I just I 
put in about two hours by the Mm -hmm. time we get dressed and you ladies take a little longer than us guys do but hey let me tell you i've known of men that have washed their hair three times till they got it right i've no women won't do that i understand (laughs) but on average you ladies take more time to get ready but you look better well we also might have a house full of youngins we're looking after too i put in two hours for that so what we've done is we've left seven hours of a day that we're not sleeping, working, or getting ready, or traveling back and forth. So meals, maybe we, hmm? <laughs> meals, and watching TV. <laughs> yeah, but how are we going to use that seven hours of yep, our day? That's People a good say, question. I don't have time to do such and such. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got seven hours a day. Plus the weekends. On the average, yeah. On the average. Some people do. Some people have more. Some people have mm-hmm. way less. And the question comes down to how are we going to use it? Because effective time management is the key. You know, you taught me an interesting principle a few weeks ago. You said to me, I've been busy, but I don't feel like I've been productive. And so you were telling me there's a difference between busy work and productive work. Mm-hmm. You can be busy doing a lot of tasks that maybe don't really result in a whole lot of change or difference. Yeah, I can kill a day with busy. Yeah, but productive, on the other hand, that seems to be where people really need to focus the productivity. Even if it's one task, if you're very productive and start it and finish it, that's been productive. Yeah, and we need a strategy for that. And to achieve our goals, we need to, and and I ask myself this every day, is what am I doing moving me toward or away from my goals? I see. And sometimes I answer that both ways. Sometimes I find myself being busy and not productive. Uh But we need to be productive, not just busy. And to move toward those goals, we need to learn to prioritize tasks. And that's what these football players do, is they prioritize the task. We need to set some deadlines. We need to avoid procrastination. I'm still not great, but I'm a little better than I used to be. (laughs) Yes. All of this can lead to better outcomes. And something that I'm really a big fan of is continuous learning. I'm one of those that believes that it doesn't matter how old you get. First of all, be thankful that you're growing older Mm -hmm. and still have your right mind. But continuous learning, this is even where football players, long after they have stopped playing the game, either in college or professionally, they're still going to take some of these strategies and these goal setting and time management skills. They're going to analyze their performances. They're going to study their opponents and they're going to seek ways to improve. Now that's why they're playing football. And I'm saying that they're, they're going to continuously learn even after they've stopped playing football because they'll find that they have adjusted themselves to asking themselves the hard questions and stop making excuses, Mm -hmm. get in there and do the hard work. If you're in an area of your preparedness that's just lacking right now and you know what it is and you've been putting it off and you really need to pay attention to it, there's no better way to start than right now. You need to embrace 
a growth mindset. That means you need to be open to learning some new skills. You need to seek some feedback, maybe actually get some honest feedback from someone that can very constructively let you know, hey, you're not you're missing the mark here or this is this is an area that's going to lead you to futility. You don't want to go to futility. You want to go to utility. Hey, I just yeah, made and, that up. And these football players, they analyze their performance and we can do that as well. And we've done that each time we've had some kind of prepping situation that we've had to use our preps. We come out of that and say, okay, how did we do? What did we do right? What can we do better? And football players also study their opponents and they seek those ways to improve, which is what you're talking about with improving through that mindset, learning new skills and getting feedback. Now, this can lead to personal and professional development, not only in our prepping, but in anything that we do. Okay. And in that continuous learning, they pay attention to details. They spend countless hours studying those opponents. They spend countless hours in analyzing their game uh, footage. And they invest time in thorough preparation, paying attention to the details. Well, you know, it's paying attention to details that increases your chance of success. Mm -hmm. You learn from what worked and what didn't work. And sometimes preppers have to go through some setbacks and some crisis that where they try something and or they utilized a skill or they lacked a skill. And it resulted in a negative experience. And so I had to learn from that. Oh, okay. That because I needed to pay attention to a detail and didn't, I kind of paid the price for that. Yep. And that's okay. People listen. If you learn from it's okay because a failure is nothing more than a lesson wrapped up in an unpleasant experience. Mm -hmm. Learn from it. In fact, I have found that I think failures and setbacks have been my best teachers taught me more than I could have ever learned out of a book or from somebody else. One of the time management, personal growth books that I've read over the years, one of them said, if you're not failing from time to time, you're not trying hard enough. I know. We learned that in school. Even our teachers would let us know that failure is just simply evidence that you've tried. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can gain a lot from that. And for the intention to detail to increase your chance of success means that you've really got to focus and, and in a football situation and in a lot of life and professional situations, that takes strong leadership. Definitely. Now, that football team relies on that strong leadership both on and off the field. See, the coaches determine the directions and they make the game plan, but it's the team captains that guide their squad and motivate their teammates. The quarterback's one often executing the plan, but it's not just the quarterback. No. It takes everybody involved in that. You know, a lot of times when a team is considerably ahead going into halftime and they come back out and the starting quarterback, starting running back, they'll play the first series there. And then the coach pulls them out oftentimes for two reasons. One, keep them safe. We don't have to have them to win this ball game. It 
yeah. looks like it's pretty well put away. But it also gets those younger players a lot more playing time. They're the ones that are going to step up next year when these seniors are gone. And they have to have that real-life experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to rehearse, to practice, to train. You're not playing the game on that day, you know, but when you're in the game on that Saturday, coach puts you in and you're relieving the starter quarterback, you're going to get some real game time experience. Couldn't be bought anywhere else. Yeah, but what I was thinking about right at that point, talking about the team captains and such that are motivating their teammates, Mm -hmm. is that you will see these guys, the starters, that are walking up and down the line of players, and they are encouraging. When that second string or third string quarterback comes off the field, there's the first string quarterback that is encouraging him, that is congratulating him, that is just motivating him. And that means so much because basically that starter quarterback, he's kind of the star of the team. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. the big man and probably the team captain in some cases. Well, so it means a lot to come from someone who's got that much notoriety to take their time to know that teammate by name, mm-hmm. pat them on the back, tell them they did a good job. And it just, again, you can't buy that experience anywhere no, else. No. But leadership comes in in every area. Uh, particularly in prepping. There are times that we have to step up and lead. Now, it might be our family. It might be our neighborhood. It might be our community. It might be your church or school in, or any of that. wherever yeah. you find you may be stepping up to the leadership role. But all of these skills are transferable to roles in various settings. Not only do we learn prepping lessons from football, we learn a lot of life's lessons as well. Well, that is an awesome episode, what we can learn from football. And we want you to know that we've been enjoying our coffee during our episode. And today's cup of coffee comes from one of our members, one of our favorites, Trail Man. Thank you, Trail Man. Thank you. We really, really do appreciate it. And if you receive value from the podcast, would you help us by giving back just a little? First, you can buy us a cup of coffee. And then second, you could start your Amazon shopping from our website. It costs you nothing extra, but it pays us a small commission on qualifying purchases. You'll find the links to both Cup of Coffee and the Amazon shopping at practicalprepping.info. It helps us and we sure do appreciate it. Now let's talk about today's super listener prepping tip. Oh, do share it, will you? This is an off-grid laundry hack. Oh, wonderful. Bucket washing. Bucket washing. Now, we're not, not talking about washing, washing buckets. Not washing the buckets. You're talking about laundry. We're laundering clothes in a bucket. Now, here's what you're going to This is need. one that we don't yeah. want to have to use, but we need to know if we do. Okay, so here's what we're going to need. A large bucket or basin, laundry soap or detergent, of course, water, and a clothesline or someplace, or a fence post or something to hang clothes to dry. Now, first thing we do is fill the bucket okay. with water. And if you have access to warm water, that's even better. Now, if you're doing this in a grid-down situation, this is a good time to go ahead and heat up some water to sure. get in there because that warm water helps loosen that dirt and remove those stains more effectively. You're going to add some detergent, an appropriate amount, uh, determined by the water amount. Be mindful not to use too much, as too much soap can be difficult to rinse out without the running water. So just enough is more than plenty. 
and then put your clothes in there and pre-soak them. Smart. Put them in the soapy water and let them soak for a bit. And that helps loosen the dirt and the stains before you start washing. Then you're going to agitate your clothes. You're going to use your hands to agitate and scrub the clothes in the soapy water. I've even known of some people to take a like a big dowel or something, even a baseball bat to mm-hmm. kind of help stir it around. Or a toilet plunger. A toilet plunger. Yeah, you can plunge them. And you can pay extra attention to the areas that do have stains or heavy dirt. All right. After agitating those clothes, you're going to need to rinse those clothes. And you do that simply by emptying the soapy water and refilling the bucket for rinsing. And I would wring out the clothes, as much of the water from the clothes as I could there and then put them in that water and agitate them again. Now, if you use too much soap, you may need to repeat the rinse cycle. Hopefully you'll have access to plenty of water. Yes. And then wring out the excess water. This just helps to decrease the drying time once you hang them out to dry. And you want to hang them on a clothesline, which you can make out of paracord. Yeah, you can. I mean, not a lot of houses have clotheslines anymore, but paracord is a good way to make a clothesline. Now, here's some tips. If possible, try to choose a sunny day to take advantage of the natural sunlight for drying. And this also helps to whiten, brighten, disinfect, and even freshen up your clothes. And for stubborn stains, you can pre-treat them before washing with a bit of soap before you start your washing process. You know, this is a method that people have used for generations. It's a little more hands-on. In fact, it's a lot more hands-on than using a washing machine. Hey, I'll tell you, my grandmother had a ringer washer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? The barrel tub, and it had the, you could run the clothes through the rollers, and it would wring the water out for you. My aunt had one. I'll tell you what, she had clean clothes when she was done, and you can actually get the job done with very minimal resources if you ever were in a position of having to hand wash your own clothes. It's a good skill to have just in case, because as Krista always says, stuff happens, people. We need to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.